wants it, gets it. He toe drags, shoots, oh. scores! Oh, unbelievable! Brighton Point wins the game in overtime. An incredible move! <laughs> yes, welcome to the Lightning Rod. Thank you very much there, Mr. Esposito. I am Johnny Pipes. Welcome to your official, unofficial home of Tampa Bay Lightning amateur analysis, banter, homerism, whatever, conversation. Like I said, I am Johnny Pipes. I'm coming to you from Miami and across the virtual street. We got Gannon, who is boots on the ground in the Bay Area. What's up, man? How are we doing? Um, Coming to you from Palm Harbor. Not exactly Tampa, but close enough. It is close enough. Close enough. It's closer than me. Yeah. (laughs) Closer than me. So, uh, like I said in the beginning, we, uh, you know, we're doing this for the first time. This is going to be your, some, some talk back and forth about some, uh, some Tampa Bay lightning stuff, my favorite team and yours and everyone else's, or at least it should be. So, uh, with that, we will, uh, we will get started here. Hold on, but we got to get started right. And the only way to do that is like this. There you go. Thank you, Sonia. Love Sonia. Yeah. So uh, in case anybody didn't know, the NHL season's on pause right now. But uh, we did have the honor of having the last game, um, you know, before the bottom dropped out. And, uh, well, what a good game it was. So we will start by talking about that. Uh, We uh, played the Vegas Golden Knights. We were in West Coast time, some Pacific Standard time, which is not fun for us East Coast folks at all uh and i finally have the uh the reason to play my little clip here and of course i had the volume down so i can play it again (laughs) that's all right folks we're working the kinks out as we go did you see that ludicrous display last night (laughs) (laughs) well what what do you say again and what are your initial thoughts of that game uh i mean again the first first 10 minutes i thought we came out strong on the the Dave and Brian were really stressing Vegas's transition game, and boy, were they right. Um, I mean, every opportunity they were stopping us at the blue line, get the puck from us, and it's right up back the ice. Um, it was nice seeing uh, Fortier's first NHL goal. Congrats to the kid. Um, on a beautiful play from uh, Sergachev, power move, um, who also had a whale of a game. Um and then it really tailed off there in the uh, later half of the first and into the second, and arguably one of the most painful games to watch, or at least 20, 30 minutes of hockey we have had to watch this season. But I, uh, I'm happy with the outcome of it. I did uh, record some some um, live reaction to the game as it was being played. This is a little what it sounded like. A yes, roller coaster indeed. It was a roller coaster. And uh, uh, if you didn't watch it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but we did end up winning the game, and we won the game by a score of 4-3. to three. But if you were watching at any point in time during the late first period or uh, the vast majority of the second period, 
you'd have thought a bunch of, um, you know, college guys or something were out there playing or some, some beer league guys, because I tell you what, I, I, they, the difference between when these guys are giving effort and when they're not is so stark, it's ridiculous. And the, the guys that picked this up were, uh, what do they call themselves? The school bus line. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't, I'm assuming because they call themselves the school bus line, it's because they pick the other guys up. I mean, that's what makes sense, right? But I, when I hear school bus line, I think of the school buses that I rode in, in, in Polk County, Florida, and um, that just meant they were, like, old and broken down. So, <laughs> I mean, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> no, I think it's a fitting name. I mean, you, you definitely do see a lot of um, a mix between that, quote, third and fourth line. I know uh, Maroon Perry – and uh, Belmar, they're kind of the fourth line. Um, but, I mean, they do connect a lot with the uh, with the kids, Radish, Kachuk, and Colton. I think it's kind of fitting. Who knows if it'll stick. But um, I am starting to get the, uh, the sense that we've got probably one of the best fourth lines in the league. I remember last season, a lot of Islanders fans were really high on their fourth line. And it definitely is good with Sezikis, uh, Martin, and uh, Clutterbuck. And... Definitely a hard-hitting, good possession line, but, I mean, this season, a little rough for the Islanders fans, but I, I think that the uh, the school bus line is really going to try to take the reins as the best, best fourth line in the league, which they've got my vote. Oh, I remember when when Corey Perry got signed in the offseason and, and everyone was, was up in arms about it. because oh, they he were was, pissed. He was so hated for so long. <laughs> He that was, uh, is why I love him. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like, he's the kind of guy you want on your team. You just never want to play against him. And to be honest, like, as much as I can't stand the Boston Bruins and Brad Marchand, if he put on a lightning sweater, I mean, I'd pull for him every day. Like, Absolutely. This is where the homerism comes in. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah. If you're wearing a lightning bolt, I'm probably going to support you. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I remember watching the uh, – the, what was it, the – conference or just the the ducks entire run back in uh 16 17 and i became a huge Corey perry fan um from when i started watching that and i know everybody everybody in the league that wasn't a ducks fan they hated him but i just loved his gritty aggressive style and he could put points up huge goal scorer former league mvp people forget about that a lot. yeah back when he um, was with the ducks right yeah yeah i think it was I couldn't even tell that you. Was, that was a while ago. I think that was in the, the, the aughts, like the 2000 aughts. Yeah, I think it was actually 2010. But besides that, I mean, it, it you know, he did have a couple of uh, you know, the first 15 games of the season. I don't think he registered a single point or maybe one lone assist or something. But once he got that first goal, I mean, they just kept coming and coming and coming. And I don't know if it was a confidence thing. I think it strictly was just kind of, bad luck i know the whole team kind of took a couple games to find their stride but i mean he was getting getting stopped at every corner he had some great looks set up some great chances and just was snake bitten really and yeah now he's getting goals off the knees the shin pads and just also beautiful hard-working plays like uh like the gretzky assist he had last night yeah it happens to to some guys and 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 you know what some sometimes part of our fan base forgets and this is the bad thing about or one one of the the i guess 
good problems to have, I guess. Um, when you when your team is winning cups, like consecutively, when they're constantly in the mix, um, you start picking up the fans that have not really watched a lot, and then you know they they start getting really knowledgeable about the team, and then if your team comes out and they're flat then, you know, they're, they're already like kind of ready to abandon it. Like, Oh my God, what are you doing? We suck. It's like, no, we, we actually start like the lightning actually start. They start off slow almost every year. Like it, 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 it's a year in year out thing. Like it takes them a couple of months or a month or maybe a little bit longer to, to catch their groove. And once they do, then they're fine. The, The amazing thing to me about this. And yeah, when I say lightning, sometimes I do say we, and before you, Folks out there start going, you we what do you play for the team? Like, nah, buy a lot of their stuff. <laughs> like I spent yeah, a lot of yeah. my I spent a lot of my time watching this stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm part of the organization. I don't care if I get paid or not. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm definitely gonna say we, but um, I, I, I say we all the time. We're yeah, we're part of it. Absolutely. Sports nation, baby. Absolutely. And uh, the um the amazing thing about what they're doing right now is they're doing it without the arguably the two most talented guys on the team for the offense. I mean, Braden Point and, and Nikita Kucherov, how they can do this without them is absolutely amazing. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, like, um, it, it, it's almost pe- – people almost forget because Tampa has such a high standard of, of, of winning that um, people forget that these guys are out. Uh, point and Cooch and, and Chernak as well. He's out till at least the new year. Um, I know Chernak isn't, you know, point or Kucherov, but he is, he's our number one right-handed defenseman. He is, you know, he's the brick wall. He's the rock at the blue line. And he's a I mean, robot. It, it's no, yeah. It's noticeable having these guys out. Cause a lot, some of these games have been a little, a little tight. Uh, some, some of these games we honestly should not have won. We've been outplayed. Uh, like going back to that Canadians game, I mean, you know, it was a real, real hard work in the last couple minutes of that game. But I mean, not that they necessarily outplayed us, but you could definitely tell, like, with all these gaps in the lineup, um, just the guys aren't clicking. But it's really great to see how Cooper can reassemble this team. Um, again, losing so many key pieces through the offseason as well, getting what three three rookies in the lineup and having them gel together and be top of the league or at least top of the division. Uh, it's incredible. It's almost underrated how, how great of a job Cooper and the coaching staff have done the, and all the guys buying in as well. I've heard uh, that, that, that Montreal game referred to by, by um, non lightning bolt fans that uh, the perfect tank game for them like the absolute perfect tank game. So you give your you give your fans in the stands like a good product to watch for almost the entirety of the game and then you still lose. So in regulation. <laughs> yeah, so you don't get the points, but your fans at least get to go away like seeing something, yeah. you know. I thought that I've was never a pretty heard good that before. I like that. That's a pretty good assessment. Yeah. So um, um what else about back the game? The Vegas game? game. It was also uh, Derek Lalonde's first uh win as a NHL bench boss. That's actually what I was about to say. Like one of the, one of the, <laughs> the big news stories of all, if not the, well, it was the biggest news story of, of the game was John Cooper missing his first game behind the bench. Uh, he, cause he's in the protocol. Mm-hmm. He's got the illness. Yeah. 
And I, you know, shout out to Lalan. He did an amazing job. Oh, absolutely. Um, shoot. He's been with these guys for how long now? Um, grew. Um, yeah. Congratulations to him again. It wasn't the prettiest game, but two points out of it. I'll take it. Absolutely. And that, that third period, they really shut it down, played, you know, played how they really should after that Stan Coast goal. I really liked what I saw from the third period on. Other notes. Um, what else? Fortier was in as uh, the replacement for a healthy scratch. Boris Kachuk. Kachuk did not play the game. Fortier comes in, gets his first goal. I don't know if they are just giving him maybe some time to breathe. If he's not really gelling well uh, with the, with the kid line. Or uh, if they just like Forche a little bit better, but I've seen a little less of Kachuk lately, and then he he didn't play that game at all. I thought Kachuk has been all right. Um, obviously, Radish is getting most of the spotlight. He had a great little goal scoring streak there, and you know this this the ceiling is pretty high for all these guys. But I don't know I, it, when from the first game to about. 15 games in, I really liked Radish and wasn't ter- or not. I really liked Kachuk. I wasn't too big on Radish. I wasn't, you know, uh, dissing these guys or anything, but I, I just kind of preferred the way Radish played or Kachuk played away from the puck. It seemed like he had a little bit more of a physical edge to him. Um, I know Cooper was giving them sheltered minutes because, again, these guys are babies in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like Kachuk kind of started to tail off. I'm not sure if Cooper gave him a little bit less of a responsible role or something, but, you know, as Kachuk started to tail off, Radish really started to, you know, bring it up some. And I've really liked what I've seen from him from about, you know, again, that that 15 game and uh, and on from now. And he's doing it all across the ice. I, again, really enjoy it from what I've seen from all the kids. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Fortier getting that first one, maybe maybe that opens up the spigot for him. Maybe he gets a little bit more time to uh, to show it. Now, the interesting thing about about this game was we were getting dominated for the majority of it. Uh, it, it all seemed to change a little bit when Mark Stone was taken out of the game, and that was done on the play where the speedy Matthew Joseph blows a tire and he goes, you know, he do, he goes into a quarterback slide and he takes out Mark Stone's legs. It wasn't intentional. Uh, Stone stayed on, I think for maybe a couple more minutes and then he went back in the locker room and he never came back. And then it was almost like the old boxing cliche, you know, kill the head and the body will die. They, they really weren't playing too well after he left. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's part of it. It definitely looked worse than it was i think but it was bad enough where he didn't come back so yeah he's been battling injuries uh at least the first half of this season or you know the entire season so far i'm not sure uh how he was last season but i mean he is hands down as of right now their best player and i know eichel hasn't skated for them yet but um yeah no stone is a is a beast i remember seeing him uh go down for that with that joseph collision I, i said to myself i was like man i I hope he's all right. Like, you know, obviously I want him out of the game. You never hope anybody's injured. Of course, he uh, he goes down the tunnel, comes back with next shift, scores scores a goal from Pacioretty off of his skate. And then that other uh, really nice play uh, a couple minutes later, that really kind of sucked the air out of the game. And then 
I didn't see what took him out the second time, but I know that's when he didn't return, and that's really when the wind started to shift. Mm -hmm. uh, you could tell the guys were getting some momentum, getting a little more confidence. And I know people um, really they really like Mark Stone's uh, two hundred foot game. I mean, he is always a uh, at least for the last you know three four years, he's been a Selkie candidate. Uh, I think he won it once uh, in recent memory. And he really is a, uh, you know, a, a superstar in this league now um, and still somehow underrated. Um, but again, I, I, when I saw him go down that first time, I said, I, I hope I hope he's all right. I don't want him in the game, but I hope he's not injured and I hope he can uh, get back on the ice soon enough because he is a good player. I've got no uh, no aggression towards him. You think maybe part of him being underrated is uh sort of the, the West Coast thing, what happens a lot, you know, like with guys in baseball where the vast majority of the country doesn't really get to watch watch him too much because he's on so late. Like I know that's something that Mike Trout has suffered from with the Angels for so long is like the games are so late that East Coast people aren't staying up and watching him. So that might be something where, where you know, he's not, he's kind of underrated a little bit because of that, maybe. I've always heard the term East Coast bias. Um he did spend um, what this is his third season with the uh, with the Knights because he was with uh, Ottawa mm -hmm. at first, and uh, I, th I think he was on the team when they did the uh, run to the conference finals against Pittsburgh. Yeah, with, and, uh, with um, Carlson. Yeah, yeah, Carlson was a machine that run. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Stone, he also really kind of broke out that season. People really started to get to know the name, and um, I mean, he has not slowed down since. And it's also interesting that he's a winger and he's known for his defensive game. Normally that title's kind of given to, you know, centers and whatnot. So he, he does have a great 200 foot all around game. I'll tell you, there's one guy on Vegas that I was going to talk about. And uh, man, I kind of wish we still had him a guy by the name of Jonathan Marcia. So, man, we, he only had a cup of coffee with Tampa, but you could see, what he was capable of at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a shame that he had to bounce out right away. There was no room for him. You could say the same thing with, with Carter Verhage. It's the same exact thing. Ironically enough, they both go to Florida. And yeah. They both turn into monsters, and then Marcioso gets picked up by Vegas in the expansion draft, and now he's a star. Uh, it would and, be um, pretty cool to have him still in a lightning sweater. Uh, Riley Smith as well. I know he didn't play for the lightning, but he was also a Panther that – um, what they gave the Panthers gave uh, Vegas one of uh, Marcheseau or Smith to um, as a sweetener for them to not select. Um, shoot, I forget who it was, and they ended up taking one of Marcheseau or Smith, and they both have become just absolute stars on that team. They're they're part of the the misfit line, you know the the line that stayed intact from the expansion year on and Riley Smith. He, um, I honestly have not watched a lot of his game, but it seems like he had, you know, he was the first one up the ice all the time. He's got wicked speed, a great release and, um, somebody I'd like to have on my team, but you know, I'll take it as it is. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the problem is like, you know, you, you, you grow to love the guys that we have and, uh, there's just absolutely no room sometimes. And it's a shame when you see somebody that was there and you're like, oh, that, what, what could have been? Mm -hmm. 
I know. I, I really miss Verhage. I always knew he was going to be something. And it was crazy because he also got flip-flopped around. He was with uh, Toronto. And I'm not sure if we traded for him or he was like a throw-in in a trade or we signed him or something. But, um, you know, from the handful of games he did play for us, I knew he was something special. But, again, with such a – not a top-heavy team, but a deep team, it's hard for him to really flourish in the role that um, – you know, the, the, the type of player that he actually is, you know, he's a, he's a top six offensive player. Mm-hmm. And right now I think the same issue is kind of bugging uh, Alex Bardiboule. He has got all the offensive talent in the world, but that's not what this team needs right now. Um, which is why I think um, Kachuk and uh, Fortier are really getting time over uh, Bardiboule. And I know, I know a lot of the, the fans are upset about that. I know uh, he became a pretty uh, pretty big fan favorite in the short amount of time he's been with us with us as well. Um, but there's really just not a secure spot for him on the team as of right now. Right. We're looking at the. And I know a lot of people were upset when when they waived him. Uh, Seattle picks him up, plays two games for him, and gets waived again. Comes back, everybody's cheering. That I don't understand. Like, why, why, why was he waived from Seattle? Do you, do you have any insight on that? I'm honestly not too sure. I mean, I think they're in a good position with the cap. Um, honestly, to me, I think it's because they're trying trying to tank. They're not trying to be awful, but that makes me sad. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to see my boy Yanni in that kind of a situation. I know. I know. Like, I, I'm actually contemplating buying a Kraken sweater. For Yanni, because I, I was living in Seattle. I lived in Seattle from 2013 to 2018, and uh, I was living right downtown. And I was there when they announced the team. Uh, I was there for the argument over where they were going to put the arena, whether they were going to redo the key arena, which is what they ended up doing, or if they were going to put another brand new arena that was right next to the football stadium and baseball stadium, which I thought would have been a really cool idea. But I will admit, their colors are awesome, and their sweaters. Oh, they've got a sick uni. Their 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 home sweaters are amazing. Absolutely, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not too big on Vegas's sweaters or anything, especially them gold helmets either. Or, but no, well, Seattle. I like the grays. I like the grays. I think the grays, their gray homes are cool. The mm. the gold helmets make sense because of where they're at and their team and all that. It makes sense. They're a little tacky, but uh, yes. they're a little distracting. But they're not that bad. Yeah, honestly, it's nice because it's different. Like as much as I, you know, will always love our, our gear, uh, I can't help but like. We had, when was this? Twenty fifteen, early twenty fifteen. I went to a game uh, when I was when I was in town in town for a little bit. I went to a game, and um, we were playing Toronto, and this was before St. Louis got traded. And my old man and I were at uh, the bar in the little shopping center that's around the corner, and I just keep seeing all these blue and whites, and I'm like, yeah, our guys are really showing up tonight. Every single one of them was was a Maple Leafs jersey. Toronto. Every single one. Every single that was that was essentially a Toronto home game, like the crowd in there. Because now I would imagine it's a situation that's sort of like what happens in um, at Safeco Field, what used to be called Safeco Field. It's T-Mobile Park now, where the Mariners play. Uh, whenever the Blue Jays come into town and play a series there, eh, like the entire city of Vancouver comes down, right? Oh, and the, the the Seattle season ticket holders are like, I'm not dealing with this, and I'm going to resell them, and I can sell them super high right now. 
so you go to these games and it's nothing but Canadian it's, and Blue Jays fans and they're, they're just incredibly loud and it makes you sad if you're going like to pull for the Mariners because it's like, man, yeah. Like, where the hell? Where the hell am I right now? You're at an away game, exactly, and that's that's how that game felt um, when when we played the Maple Leafs. Because I was like, man, Snowbirds, come on! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Seattle, yeah, Seattle's Seattle's um, kid is amazing. Um, Vegas, I, I just just the homes. I don't really care for the for the white aways. But there's another reason actually to uh, kind of have a soft spot for the Kraken as well because they're uh, they're they're play by play, not their play by play, but they're. Uh, their color commentator oh. is uh, old JT Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to see him getting some work. I know he played in the, uh, he was in the, either Swedish league or Swiss league um, for about a season or two. Because uh, he, uh, I think we traded him to the Ducks, and it just didn't really work out for him there. Um, so it's nice seeing him, you know, at, at least in some form back in the NHL for sure, uh, along with another great broadcaster in John Forsland. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember him um, doing some of the NBC games. He was a, mm-hmm. a little bit better than uh, everyone has this soft spot for Doc Emmerich. I'll be honest with you, I couldn't stand him. <laughs> like, I don't know what it when, is. When I was watching the games, I could not stand Emmerich. Like, I, I hated the people complaining, like, "Oh, he's too biased. He loves you know the Islanders or whoever we were playing." Um, That's natural. Or uh, like, I, I. Agreed just a tiny bit, but mostly disagree. But again, when I was watching those games, I wasn't the biggest fan of of, of Doc. But looking back on some of the uh, some of his famous calls and everything, I, I do miss him. He was he was pretty legendary, but not not for me. His his style is is just a little. It's a little weird for me. I I can't like I, I maybe you call me biased, but I I thought Peckham was the greatest. I thought. Uh, oh, I'm with you. I thought he was, you know, not too Homer, but like his his calls, I just thought were great. Like he knew how to be excited, and and he wasn't slow. And that's the thing about Doc was Doc was his calls were very slow, mm-hmm. and he started to kind of have that Chris Berman voice towards the end, where you just start making weird noises when you don't have anything else to say. You know, like Berman used to give people all kinds of crazy nicknames. Now he just, now he just yells. <laughs> that's, that's all he does when he does highlights, you know? What's your, uh, what's your favorite Rick Peckham call just off of memory? Oh, it's the one that I, that's the one I attached to the theme of our show. It's, it's when, oh, the, when uh, Braden point, point overtime goal. Yeah. When he, when he did that little toe drag that, I mean, I like that. And I was a big fan of his, the other overtime uh, winner when his last call, when he was doing it on video was pretty amazing. Yeah. You took both my answers. <laughs> well, I mean, those are the two best, and maybe it's recency bias, but that's that's the two that always stick out in my mind. Yeah, he was with this team for twenty something years. There, there really are too many to pick from. But <laughs> I remember I was at work on a busy day, and we were playing. Uh, it was Game Five against Columbus. Yeah, Game Five, and I remember that was a pretty awful. Not awful, but it was a pretty rough game for the Lightning. I mean, I was getting getting kind of upset, you know, first 30 minutes of the game or so. But, you know, we, we scored a couple goals, scored one late, and then overtime. Overtime versus the Blue Jackets, uh, save us. But, um, again, I'm, I'm at work. It was a busy day. And um, my buddy, he works on the property next to me. I see points score the goal. 
I shriek. I'm freaking out. I had a customer text me. He's like, yo, are you all right? My buddy Nick, he texted me. He says, is everything good? Like, you getting attacked over there? I'm like, everything's great, man. I mean, <laughs> I was ecstatic. But at the same time, it it, it hit me. That, that was Rick's last call. Yeah. But a, a legendary one it was. Well, he is uh, he's getting up there. And, and unfortunately, you know, you can't do it forever. And you know, Vince Scully got pretty close. But, you know, sometimes you're like, you know what? It's, it's time to not yell into microphones anymore like maybe i should start yelling at like the the, the cashier at, at Publix or something like that instead <laughs> you know? i know uh rick rick generet uh with buffalo i know he i believe he stopped doing away games i mean he's been calling the sabers games since like the 80s and he he's a legend in, in and of itself but so you see the one that says like uh top shelf that's where where grandma hides the cookies or something like that yes sir yeah <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my bartender buddy in, in Seattle was um, a diehard Sabres fan. Like he and I uh, became friends over. God bless him. Yeah, he's he's dealt with some stuff, you know, with that with that team, you know, and the, and I'm hoping for the best because every year it seems for the first like two weeks of the season you're like, oh man, Sabres are turning it around, and then two weeks go by and you're like, nope, no, they're not. They're unbeatable in October. They're <laughs> awesome in October. Every season. You just need a season full of Octobers. Yeah, literally. Um, my buddy Matt, he's he's a huge Sabres fan. Um, and I've only known him a handful of years. And he always tells me, this is the year, man. This is the year. <laughs> Never pans out. So I, I always have to give him hell. Yeah, the the uh, Buffalo is the, – the fandom in Buffalo between the Sabres and the Bills, like they're, they're some of the good fans. Like they travel well. Uh, even all the way to Seattle, like when the Bills played the Seahawks, like I, I used to drink in a bar that was primarily made of, of tourists. It was around the, it was around all the hotels, but it was a good local spot to watch sports because there's usually not a, a heck of a lot of people in there. And, and whenever Buffalo came, like they just they ransacked the place, but it was in a good way. Like they were all very very good people. It wasn't like say San Francisco rolls in and then there's fights and people are stupid and whatnot. Like the Buffalo fans, yeah. like they knew how to have a good time, but it was a it was a respectable good time. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't hear too many complaints about Buffalo fans. I think there's a there's a long list before them, at least in the hockey world. Um, I mean, shoot, did you see uh, Raymond James when they played the Bills? Half of it was blue. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and I think it goes back to you know, like, oh, well, I can sell, I can sell my tickets here for a lot, a lot more. Like, why not make a little bit and miss one game? But mm-hmm. it sucks that that's the way it is. But you know. It is what it is. Yeah. No, the bu- Buffalo fans, uh, you know, across both sports, they they are loyal. Well, there's not really much else going on up there. No. <laughs> I mean, it's it a could be tough place fans, to be. But I don't know if that's much better. I, I, I saw pictures of one of their blizzards with, you know, walls of snow, and, and I, I already lived in Alaska for a little while. I, I never want to see that again. <laughs> yeah, my my dad flies to Buffalo often. He says there, there's nothing nothing for him there. I mean, he, he's a he's a flip flops and bathing suit kind of guy, and there's nothing for him there. Some some people love it. Like my sister, she's she's up in she's up in Alaska now. Um, she's what three or four months in. I asked her, or she texted me. She said it's negative twenty, and the next day it was a flat zero. I said, do you even notice a difference by then? She says, 
barely like it is barely noticeable but it's it's noticeable but she's also a florida girl her whole life oh yeah bless her <laughs> that'll do it at least i lived in uh kodiak alaska for two years and but i had a five-year preparation time living in seattle before that so mm-hmm. it was like an acclimation to get up there it was still bad uh during the winter but i i mean i'm a florida guy too for years upon years upon years. So it even took me a little while to get used to being in Seattle, but yeah, that's that winter. And, in, in well, at least the one that we had in, in from 19 to 20 was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Or it was like the worst snowfall they'd seen in like 20 some odd years. Where is it? Alaska or Seattle is in Alaska. Okay. She's up in a uh, Fairbanks, So there's really nothing to do up there. Yeah. See when you're inland like that, uh, that's when it gets that much colder, at least, at least Kodiak's on the water. Uh, it's, it's an Island. So it's, um, mm-hmm. it, it's not temperature wise. It's not even remotely close to that. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't handle that at all. You were stationed up there, right? Yeah. I did some, uh, did some work on some boats up there, uh, for a couple of years and was very, uh, very happy to get back homeward. And so mm-hmm. I was waiting to get back to Florida for 15 years at that point. So yeah, well- one of my customers here, he's uh, he's ex Coast Guard. He was up in uh, Anchorage and Kodiak, and he just went and bought a sixty foot Hatteras uh, sport fisher in Seattle. And he's um, like, "Oh man, you're gonna bring it down here?" I said, "No, man, I'm going back to Kodiak." I'm like, "What? Well, What's wrong with you? If you love it, you love it. Some people and and some people absolutely love that place. Like it's because if I mean, if you're a fisher." If you, if you enjoy hunting and camping and things like that, it's probably the best place in the world for you. Uh, it's small. There's hardly anybody there. It's a real pain in the ass to get on and off of it. Like efficiently, mm-hmm. like, uh, it's a 45 minute flight from Anchorage, but I don't know how many times uh, I flew from Anchorage to get back to Kodiak. You do the entire flight, you hover a couple of times. Nah, it's too windy. They turn around and go right back and you're not going to try. Oh. We'll try again the next day. <laughs> oh God! I don't envy you. Yeah, so, or him. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's the game talk. We uh, went off on a little tangent there. That's the kind of stuff we're going to do on this show. Let's uh, take a quick, get used to it. Take a quick break here and uh, give you a couple of news and notes. That if you want to contact the show, you can. We have a uh, we have an email address. It's the Lightning Rod One at protonmail dot com. The Lightning Rod One at protonmail dot com. Also. Uh, starting on the next show, uh, if you want, you can call us and leave a voicemail, and we might play the voicemail on the show uh, if you make a good enough comment. If we deem it worthy, uh, we may play it on the show. And uh, this number, it's going to be in the show notes along with that email address. It's 727-416-0613, 727-416-0613. Call and leave us a voicemail. We'll be doing this probably weekly. Uh, I think next week we might do a little bit earlier. Uh, we do have a game in Florida uh, down here in Sunrise next Thursday, and yours truly will be going to that game, so I will not be recording this next Thursday like we're doing tonight, uh, but we will get one out hopefully weekly, and uh, maybe we'll start getting some some messages from you. We'd love to hear from you. So going on after this, uh, well, we got no uh, no games over the holiday weekend. The NHL put pause on uh, on the entire season. There's a whole bunch of postponed. And it seems like what they're going to be doing is during that 
couple week period when we were supposed to be going to the Olympics and all the players are going to the Olympics. The NHL is officially not going to the Olympics now. So all that time is going to be used to make up all these postponed games. What are your thoughts? I'm fine with it. I, I, at the beginning of the season, I was really attached to the idea of going to the Olympics, but you know, as COVID has kind of just rampaged through the league, that really left it as the only option to pull out. And, you know, thank God we did have this two week break. If, th- if this were a regular season, you know, with no, uh, no Olympic pause or anything, not that they'd be screwed, but I mean, at least we're in a better situation than what we would have been. And so um, right now, the biggest concern is the, uh, the all-star break, uh, at least, you know, in the headlights. Uh, Cause that is what late, late January, I want to say. Well, um, the two breaks were really close to each other or were they, yes. t- were they together? Mm-hmm. And I've heard a couple of people saying like, you know, how like Ovechkin and some other people have really started to like, if they get selected, they're not going, they just take a one or two game suspension or whatever it is and use that as an even longer break. Um, I think without the Olympics and a little bit more time off, because I don't think there's enough postponed games to really fill that two-week break. Um, I think we might see uh, Ovechkin back at the uh, the All-Star game. I've heard some people saying that. Um, you know, just more people being a little more receptive to it as well, just because there is no Olympic, uh, no Olympics, and they're going to have a little bit more time off, you know, mid-season. Are they uh, planning on doing another three-on-three tournament like they have been doing for the All-Star? I think so. I um. I think they're going to get pretty creative with the, with this one. I know in the last five years or so, a lot of people have kind of tuned out. You know, it's just it's just a break. Nobody really cares about about the All Star Game anymore. I, I still watch it. I think it's fun. You know, um, especially when half our team goes as well. So always makes it really nice. One one complaint I did have about uh, the way they do the All Star Game was like they have the the festivities like your fastest skater and your your hardest shot and stuff like that. But the only people that can compete in those are the people that were selected for the All-Star game. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, a couple of years ago, it was really cool that Braden Point got to be in the fastest skater. And personally, I think that had he not gone first, he probably would have beaten McDavid. But because he went first and McDavid went last because McDavid was the reigning champion, he got to, he knew exactly how hard he had to push himself. And so he beat him by, like, a couple of milliseconds. I think point, oh it was nothing. Yeah, point absolutely could have if he if he would have been the one to go last, I think he would have pushed himself a little bit harder and been the fastest mm-hmm. skater, but more importantly, I think that I think at least a couple of years ago, I don't know so much about now, but at least a couple of years ago, Matthew Joseph could have given them both a run for their money because I think when he gets going, Joseph is the fastest guy out there. And even, He's got some wheels. He or he or uh, Yanni Gord, one of the two of those guys could have been just as fast as the other two. And I would have liked to have seen them have an opportunity. So I wish they would open up those fun and games to the rest of the league and say, okay, maybe you're not playing in the all-star game, but we are going to put your sweater out there and you're going to come out and do something cool like fastest skater. That would be cool. I think what really helped point is that not just his straight line speed, but his edge work and his crossovers really give him that advantage over Gord or Joseph. Um, I mean, Joseph, yeah, he is a speedster for sure, but 
and he really can turn on a dime, but Point uses those, you know, he uses those turns, those crossovers to also give him a little bit of a speed boost. Uh, I don't think Joseph has that down just yet, but uh, when you're working with some of the same coaches that, uh, you know, the with the power skating coaches that Point has, I forget who it is, but I think Joseph started seeing uh, him last year or so, and I've noticed a big difference. I mean, Dude has wheels, but I, I think I would give the slight edge to point at least in the uh, at least on like a circuit, just because of those you know couple of turns. Well, one thing I know uh, Braden can do better than damn near anybody is is stop on a dime and change directions. Oh yes, that's insane. Like he's he is really like a video game character out there sometimes doing that. I think he does it so well that it almost kind of hinders him. Like you know, it's always kind of his first option it seems like it not that it's never shoot first but um w- what i did notice a lot was you know he gets into the zone and just stops and tries to find somebody trailing which you know it works a lot of the time it's one, one of his superpowers for sure but it also does kind of hinder him sometimes when the chance just goes down the drain even even like when he doesn't have a lot of pressure in the offensive zone he'll he you know, he'll still do it. But again, I'm not, I'm not going to make complaints about point. No. And, and here's hoping that everything is intact when he comes back, you know, sooner rather than later. That's one thing that we're definitely missing. Not that we're doing terribly without him, but it seems like our wings wins aren't really uh, convincing enough without mm-hmm. him being, without him being out there at this point with, without Cooch, it's like everyone's used to it. You know, it's yeah, like, literally. You know, it's like your, your dad that goes out to buy cigarettes and never comes back, but then he, <laughs> you know, he, he shows up for your your graduation, and then he leaves again. <laughs> shows up for the most important part. Yeah, exactly. Again. <laughs> comes up. I know. I know it's check. become such a joke with people like, oh, who drops out for the season? Blah, blah blah. It's kind of a tired line, but kind of true. Well, when you when when your team starts winning a lot, then you you know you get the the the, the haterade. Everyone starts drinking the haterade. Oh, I mean, like after after we won, I mean, the press conference just lit all of Quebec on fire. Um, I know a lot of people loved it, but a lot of people hated it. Even even non Montreal fans. I know a lot of people were pushing for Tampa to lose just because you know we're Tampa over the cap, whatever it is. And then he uh, again just lit Quebec on fire with those comments. I I thought it was great. Obviously, I'm a homer, um, and a lot of people did love it, but a lot of people were. I saw a lot of people saying, next time he plays my team, I hope somebody takes a run at him. Like, I, I know Cooch has his his dirty side that will come out every 20 games or so, but he's not a dirty player. He's not a, he's not a douche out there. Like, he's – I mean, he's a gamer for sure. But, yeah, that, those comments really – really tick people off and again think, me i think it's hilarious i think that every hockey player has the ability to get caught up in a moment and do something that they'll probably go back and look at a tape and go oh man i, I shouldn't have done that you know I, that's got to be every every player in the league's got to have that capability in them somewhere mm-hmm. whether they act on it or not it's a different story and this is not to make an excuse for people who do those stupid things uh, it's it's in the game, but it's amazing what happens when you get it in the heat of the moment. It's like a fight or flight response. Sometimes you get a little angry. I mean, this happens in every. I mean, this will happen in freaking beer softball games. You know, people mm-hmm. will just get upset and like 
just get too caught up because they got nothing else going on. And that's, that's what, where they're, where they're at in the moment. But it is interesting. Like being a fan of Tampa sports right now, a lot of new fans, be it the bucks, the, the lightning, the rays, well, the rays will really never suffer for this, unfortunately, but the, uh, the, um, the fans that are just now coming in and they only know winning, they don't understand how long it took for Tampa to have this ridiculous, miraculous couple of year period where everything just seems to be working right. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it will disappear just as fast as it got here. And, Absolutely. And then we'll be right back to the, to the, you know, not so much the lightning, the lightning have an incredibly good organization from top to bottom. So they, you know, they'll be competing for a long time, whether, it, whether our core is still there or not, whether, you know, Stamkos might be gone at some point in time, you know, these guys aren't going to play for us forever, but the team is well run. And so they'll build something where if there's a rebuilding window, it'll be short, but the box, mm-hmm. let me tell you as a, as a lifelong bucks fan, it will disappear and it will never come back. Like you, you know, your, your kids will be the ones that are like, Oh man, Tampa's good again. Remember that? (laughs) Cause before Tom Brady got here, we weren't good since 2002. So, you know, it's, it, that's how long it takes. I mean, it's almost two decades. Like that's crazy. I I definitely jumped on that Bucks bandwagon uh, when they were playing the Packers. Uh, that was honest, <laughs> honestly, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but it was the first football game I have watched from start to finish. Um, and ever since then, I mean, I've been a pretty big fan, but you know, it, it, I know I'm not going to be as dedicated or passionate to, to them as I am the lightning. Um, you know, I've only been a fan of the lightning for, you know, a handful of years now. Um, not that I really jumped on the bandwagon. This was, you know, before we went to the, uh, the finals with Chicago, but um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of these people have not been around for some of these dark days, you know, the, you know, the first and second overall picks and whatever else. A lot of people are going to be pretty heartbroken because it will not last forever, but I will enjoy it every second that it lasts. Exactly. You know, live it up while you can. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll still be good tomorrow. Maybe it won't but just enjoy it while you, while you can. What are your, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts since we were talking about announcers earlier? I've heard, you know, some irrational people say they don't like Dave Randorf. They don't think he's Homer enough. I actually have no issue with Dave Randorf at all. It took me about three or four games to really get used to his voice. He has a little bit of a lisp and that's okay, but it's, it's, Does he? I haven't noticed that. It, it, I couldn't, not notice it for the first handful of games. It was, it, I just, that's all I could key on. But as he went and, and, and kept doing games, I got used to it. And now I actually like really enjoy his calls. And, and, and other irrational lightning fans don't like Brian Engblom. And I think that's a travesty. Brian, I don't get that. Brian Engblom is a, is a, is a world treasure. Yes. Yes. He, I, I, I listen to the broadcasts for Engblom. I mean, I definitely do like, um, I, I, I like Randor for sure. I mean, he's he's no Peckham, but I don't have a, a hate against him like some of these people do. And I think a lot of people that don't like uh, Randor for Engblom is because they're not Peckham or Chief. It takes um, a while to get used to That's what they've grown people. up with. It takes a while to get used to people, to get used to new mm-hmm. people for sure. Um, I never really got to see too much of, of, of when Chief was doing the, the color commentary. 
Uh, so I don't really have a, a basis for that because I didn't have the regional sports network at the time. I was now living in Tampa, so I didn't get to watch a lot of games on Fox Sports Sun or what it used to be called the Sunshine Network back in the day. Um, but since Engblom has been doing it, I, th- I think he's great. He's explains mm-hmm. things perfectly. Uh, he's calm. He doesn't stumble. Uh, and he gets into it when there's a good play, he like gets really into it. And that's fun to listen to for, for an old man. Oh, absolutely. Like going back to the, um, when I was asking you what your favorite, uh, Peckham call was that, uh, point overtime goal against the, the Panthers. Um, I mean, you, you hear Brian in that clip. He's oh, like, he is in it. He's stoked for it. And again, I, I love Anglom. I, I do not get the criticism against him. I can somewhat understand people disliking or criticizing Dave Randorf. Again, he's, he's new. And what we both have to uh, kind of have to remind ourselves is that both these guys were national broadcasters. Uh, Engblom was with NBC yep. and um, uh, Randorf, he was with TSN or Sportsnet. I can't keep track, but again, both national broadcasters, they can't be biased or homers at all. As, you know, as much as people say they are against us, um, and you'll you'll hear um, in some of the interviews that Dave Randorf did last season, um, he says like he knows, he knows that you know sometimes he'll uh, go a little too hard with uh, some of the calls for the opposing team. And again, he knows he and he said he's trying his best to kind of dial it back, but also he doesn't want to be one hundred percent homer because I think that's kind of you know, unattractive in an announcer. You don't, yeah. I don't want to listen to Jack Edwards or Steve Goldstein that just will, you know, lose their mind if anything happens against them. Um, if the goal is called and they score, I don't want to hear that. I mean, at least Jack Edwards, he is biased as could possibly be, but at least he's got a little bit of energy. He's Steve Boston, Goldstein right? with the, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he knows that people hate him. So he kind of, you know, goes into it a little bit more. I think he's funny. I just, can hardly stand listening to him. I don't hate him. Well, Steve Goldstein, the play-by-play for the Panthers, I, I think he's not bad, but he is the the key example of a Homer-biased play-by-play broadcaster. And it's, you know, it, it is for some people. It's not for me. Well, if you want to really get the super Homer vibe that's what you listen to the radio for because michigan will absolutely do that for you and uh i love the difference between his you know lightning scoring a goal and and an opposition scoring a goal because yeah when someone from the other team scores it's like he's almost angry about it and i love it it's like he's so disappointed and yes (laughs) i and i I love it and then you know and and when he screams it wakes up phil because phil's been asleep for you know, at least half the period, he'll wake up and he'll go, oh, shoot the puck, and then he'll go back to sleep again. You know? <laughs> I, I try to clip some of the stuff that Phil says. It's it's beautiful. i got to make a compilation. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you're, if you're a radio broadcaster, no holds barred. You be as much of a homer as you want. I think that's what it's for. It's, it's called lightning radio for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And since we were talking about it so much, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play the greatest Rick Peckham call ever. Point wants it, gets it. He toe drags, shoots, oh. scores! Oh, unbelievable! Right at point with the game in overtime. An incredible move. Yes, and the 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 yelling in the background was absolutely Brian Engblom. 
As soon as he saw the toe drag, he lost he lost his he lost his stuff. He's a treasure. And another thing that um going back to Rick uh yeah, um Dave and Brian or any of the TV broadcasters, I'm also I, I'm watching it, I'm watching the lightning, but I also like to know who we're up against, who are the good players, what are their skills and everything. A lot of people say that they they try to talk about the opposing team too much. Maybe, but to me, I'm I'm interested. I'm listening. They're trying to inform. They're not trying to hype them up or anything. They might be trying to hype the game up, but a good again, move. A good move is a good move. If someone makes a good move, I don't care what you know. If there's a good goal, if there's a good pass or whatever, like I don't care what jersey they're wearing. I want to know that it was a good a good move. You know, like you're appreciating the sport. You're not just like shilling for the team. Yes. Yeah. Like that, that goal, I think uh, Nick Wass scored kind of busted Hedman's ankles. Um, I, I said to myself, I was like, that, that was pretty nice. Um, as sour as I was about it, cause it was a pretty bad defensive lapse. Uh, you know, 99 times out of a hundred that play gets shut down, but I mean, he, he roofed it. It was an awesome goal. And I, I said to my girlfriend sitting next to me, I was like, that was a sweet goal. And that's actually a perfect example of when they will badmouth our team when they do something wrong. Like Hedman caught, he caught Guff from him for, for not playing on that, for mm-hmm. letting, for letting it go. Cause he's, cause you're just not used to seeing it cause he plays so well all the time. So they actually had to point out like, yeah, this isn't something you're going to see very often, but he totally blew this play. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, I like that quality. So I don't know. I, 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 as we get further through this season, uh, I'm hearing less and less of it. I, for some reason, I still hear the the odd Anglom complaint, but I just kind of throw those out the window. Well, one thing I think everybody can agree on, especially on late night games, uh, is that uh, we should get Paul Kennedy a, a cup of coffee or uh, a little bit of Red Bull. I like to set a stopwatch for when he starts a question to a player over the uh, the headset and, uh, you know, turn it off whenever he's finished with that question. I think he averages, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30 seconds per a question. And these guys had just got finished going up and down the ice, you know, for 20 minutes and they're out of breath and they're, they're want, they got their cliched answer already queued up yeah. from their, from their Rolodex and they're just waiting for him. They're like, okay, is he, is he done? No, wait, there's another two sentences. Oh wait, hold on. He's still not done. Oh, uh, we got to get you know pucks in deep. We got to play a little bit better as a team. You know, uh, you know, dump the puck in, chase after it. You know, just uh, get get some shots on net. Uh, you know, uh, and and I think you know brainstorming here for future episodes of this show as we as we come to a, a close here on a, on the debut. Maybe that that'd be kind of a cool little side segment to do. Is uh, I'll start recording some some Paul Kennedy. And we'll do an over-under on how long do you think this question is going to be. <laughs> and we'll do some guessing. Like, what do you think? Like, uh, 15 seconds, 12? Like, and, you know, we'll, we'll, do some, we'll do some guessing from there. So, uh, yeah, so that was um, episode one of The Lightning Rod, one of many. Uh, we will continue to do this hopefully uh, once a week and uh, maybe, maybe past that. We'll see, see how it goes. Uh, again, if you want to contact the show, you can. Uh, the lightning rod one at protonmail.com. Uh, or if you want to call and leave us a voicemail and uh, maybe we'll play it on a show, it's seven two seven 
416-406-0613. You can call that at any point in time and leave us a message. If it's tasteful, maybe we'll play it. And, uh, yeah, for uh, got any uh, closing thoughts there, Gannon? I think that's it. I think we covered most of everything for the inaugural episode. Not a whole lot going on. All right. Sounds good. Well, we will catch you the next time. Have a good night, everyone. Peace.